Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book study. My name is Monica T., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. And today is Thursday, April 13th, 2017, and this is a 10 a.m. meeting. Today we are reading from the big book. We are in the chapter, There is a Solution. We will be reading the last paragraph on page 25 that begins, If You Are a Seriously Alcoholic. And today's readers are The Twelve Steps, Roxanne T., The Twelve Tradition, Sherry K.B. Our text readers for today are Terry H., Lynn D., and Marie J., The share ID for yesterday, Wednesday, April 12th, 2017, 10 a.m. meeting is 9827, 9827. And this morning's 7 a.m. meeting, Thursday, April 13th, 2017, the share ID is 9835, 9835. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. And I apologize for my cat who has decided it's time to play. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I will now ask Roxanne T. to read the 12 steps of OA for us, please. Thank you, Monica. Thank you for your service. My name is Roxanne T., uh, gratefully recovered in New York, and here are the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrong. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed, and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 
and 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for allowing me to do service, and I pass. Thank you, Roxanne T. I will now ask Sherry KB to read the 12 traditions for us, please. Good morning, Monica. Good morning, everybody. This is Sherry KB in Northern California, Grateful Recovery Compulsive Overeater. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for a group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should may remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me be of service. Thank you, Sherry KB. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinent requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinent requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. And once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. So today we are resuming our study of the big book. We are in the chapter, There is a Solution. We are on page 25, and we will be reading the last paragraph on page 25 that begins, If you are seriously alcoholic, as we were. And this is the only paragraph that will be read, and this is what we will be taking comments on this morning. And with that, I'm going to ask Terry H. if she would read this for us, please. 
Thanks, Monica. Good morning, Vision View. My name is Terry H. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maine. If you are seriously alcoholic as we were, we believe there is no middle-of-the-road solution. We were in a position where life was becoming impossible, and we had passed into the region from which there is no return through human aid. We had but two alternatives. One was to go on to the bitter end, blotting out the consciousness of our intolerable situation as best as we could, and the other to accept spiritual help. This we did because we honestly wanted to, and we were willing to make the effort. And I'm trying not to get excited, because this is like my favorite, ultimate favorite paragraph, but I have to get excited because um, it's here, and this is where it all changed for me. You know, I call page 25 the page of hope, because it's all laid out here, right on page 25. It's, it's laid out the steps, and now it's brought us to this um, to this paragraph, and it says, if you're seriously alcoholic as we were, we believe there's no middle-of-the-road solution. So what does it mean to be seriously alcoholic, or in our case, seriously compulsive overeater? So this is, you know, again, this is where it all changed for me. And, you know, the question is, am I physically and mentally different? You know, have I crossed the line? And, you know, when I got to this paragraph, my guide, we sat down and, um, you know, these were the questions that were asked of me to really get clear on, um, you know, if I had crossed the line. And so I had to ask myself, you know, have I lost the power of choice? Um, did I lose power of choice and control over the amount I ate when I ate? Um, did I lose control over myself when I ate? And do I have a mind that cannot connect the dots and will always take me back to that first bite? So for me, I really had to see the truth of my first step problem. And... Um, I had to also learn that, you know, if I can't see where I cannot manage my alcoholic foods and I can't see where I can't manage my thinking and I can't manage my life, then I will continue to go on to the bitter end, killing myself, um, because I will always be in that delusion that I have the ability to control or figure it out. And for me, I, I just, I can't build a spiritual path on a lie. And circumstances made me willing. So my truth today is I've lost power, choice, and control, and the good news is that there's a power that wants me to live. And all I have to do is um, pick up the simple kit of spiritual truths that um, lay at my feet, which are the 12 steps, and get plugged into new power. So I'm grateful for this um, paragraph, and anytime I hear the middle-of-the-road solution, if I'm hearing things that have nothing to do with having a deep and effective spiritual experience, and I'm hearing the middle of the road solution. So thanks for letting me share, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Terry H. And I'm now going to open the floor, and we are on the last paragraph on page 25, if you are seriously alcoholic, and who would like to share for approximately three minutes? Marie J. Marie? Ginger C. Was that Ginger? Yes. Good. Ginger C. Anybody else? Rose N. Rose M. Oh, you're all being so nice to me this morning here. Anybody else? Okay, we'll start with that. Marie J., Ginger C., and Rose M. You're up, Marie. Thanks, Monica. Thanks, everybody, for being here. And I am Marie J. I'm in Colorado, and I'm recovered by the grace of God. Thank you. I just um, took me a very long time to learn that there's no middle of the road solution. I really wanted it both ways. And even in, um, in the program, I was trying to 
get it both ways. You know, I wanted my sugar and I wanted to be skinny. And the funny thing is once I gave up the sugar and the other sugar foods, once I admitted that I was really out of ideas and I was entirely powerless and once I really got abstinent, I really learned that food wasn't the problem. Giving up the food doesn't solve the problem. It only lays the foundation. It lays the foundation so that I can heal and I can recover. <clears throat> and the real solution is always found in my higher power. <clears throat> and <clears throat> they say that, um, you know, I passed into the region from which there is no return through human aid. You know, mine or anyone else's. No one can help me get through this and stay abstinent and stay clean and, and be in recovery. And I just wasn't going to get out alive. It was just a slow death for me, a death of misery and depression and rage and anger. And my spirit was just completely gone. And I didn't even know how bad it was until I got on the other side and felt how good it became in recovery. I didn't know what I was missing I didn't know because I had been that way for so very long. I had been in that misery and that depression and anger and rage. And the last line in this paragraph says that we did this honest because we honestly wanted to and were willing to make the effort. And I had to get the gift of desperation. I never really understood what that meant. Desperation. How is that a gift? And it's because I finally hit my bottom. I had run out of ideas. I had run out of diets and control and my solutions and other people's solutions. And I was finally beat. And it was only from that point that I could recover. I didn't have any excuses left. I didn't have any more lies to tell myself. And it was a gift because I'm here today and I'm recovered. And I've shed 88 pounds, which is the least of my successes. Today, I'm happy, joyous, and free. And today, things come up and I know exactly what to do. I know how to handle them. I never have to handle things alone. I always have my higher power guiding me. And I don't have to live in fear and anger and rage. I'm living in a compassionate relationship toward my family, toward people that, that I'm in community with. And I show up in service and it fills me up with joy. And I totally live in love and I'm completely changed from the self-centered and self-seeking person I was. So that's the miracle of this program. Thanks. I pass. Thank you, Marie J. Ginger C., you're up and then it'll be Rose M. Good morning. This is Ginger C. Recovered in Colorado, and thank you so much, Monica, for your service this morning. Um, I This is probably one of my favorite paragraphs. I don't know. I just love every line in this book. But this says so much in this one paragraph. I love the sentence, we were in a position where life was becoming impossible. And that's a pretty strong word, impossible. But that is exactly what happens. This disease progresses. When I first went to my first OA meeting 20-some years ago, I literally was laughing. I was like, food, alcohol, drugs, yeah, I get that. But food, come on. And then I kept eating, and I kept eating. And life became impossible because this disease progresses just like any other addiction. And I couldn't get out of bed. You know, when you start your morning off just binging your brains out on sugar, you can't get out of bed. Because you have no energy, you have your, your body can't function. But it was amazing to see that I couldn't get out of bed, and I was passing out all the time because I was eating so much, and I was eating so much, so much quantity of sugar. My body couldn't handle it. 
I'd pass out all the time. I felt like an alcoholic at 24 years of sobriety and AA. I felt like a drunk. I felt like I was drinking vodka. But again, thank God for every beautiful bite because I finally got it. I had to concede to my innermost self that I was a real compulsive overeater. Because like someone just mentioned, I wanted to have my cake and eat it too in OA. And I tried that for many years. But then again, this disease, thank God it progressed. And that gift of desperation, I was willing to go to any length. I was convinced. So, you know, for those still suffering, I pray that that bite just takes you to that next step that that brought me to. I I was brought to my knees. I was brought flat on the concrete. You know, I finally got smashed into it, and I was willing to go to any lengths for victory over this disease because I didn't want to continue on. And that's the last part of this paragraph. We either are going to continue on trying to do the best we can, or we're going to accept the spiritual help. So I'm just so grateful for the convincing bite that I had to have that finally took me out to that wonderful conference in Virginia Beach and brought me to my beginnings, to this whole new world, because I never could do life on life's terms. I never could go through this thing called life. And now I go through it because I'm going through it with a higher power that I'm connected into like I never felt in 24 years of AA. So again, if you're out there and you're struggling, just keep holding on and keep into action. It's not up what I'm thinking in my mind. I got to do work every day. This disease is cunning, baffling, powerful, and patient and sneaky. But I keep doing these right actions and I get the results. And that's freedom from food. So with that, I pass. Thank you, Ginger C. Rose M., it's your turn. Hi, um, my name is Rose M. Um, I'm a very grateful um, compulsive overeater um, from the Philadelphia area. Um, thank you, everybody, so much for your service. Um, when I was looking at this paragraph, um, it really reminded me of um, just what I went through um, in my disorder when I was really in the food, um, particularly where it says, um, you know, one was to go on to the bitter end. You know, when we face the two alternatives, are we going to go on to the bitter end, blotting out the consciousness of our intolerable situation? Or the other choice is to ask for spiritual help, is to um, be in this program. And um, I um, I just... Um, you know, in the disorder, in the disease, um, I didn't realize how bad it was. Um, it was just the delusion. Um, I couldn't, I couldn't get out of bed. Um, I couldn't, um, couldn't be much of a mother to my child. And um, I, I had the um, fortune of uh, meeting a physician who um, broke it down for me, pretty, pretty black and white, that. Um, your body cannot process sugar in any kind of with any kind of efficiency, and um, you are going to become diabetic if you keep going down this road. And um, you know, um, I am very genetically predisposed to it. Um, and you know, um, I also watched my mother, um, who was a compulsive overeater, uh, go through this and um, live her life, blotting out her consciousness and. Um, you know, as a nurse, I've cared for um, people who most likely were compulsive overeaters who were suffering the effects of uncontrolled diabetes. And um, and I saw it up close, and, and it was terrible. 
um, gory, ugly, no way I wanted to live my life. Um, and, you know, my mother's life was so sad and tragic. Um, and when I considered the choice that I was faced with, I didn't, I didn't want to live my life trying to blot out my consciousness for the rest of my life. Um, and, uh, you know, it is a choice. To, to me, I think in the beginning, I, I always thought, well, you know, I, I, can't, I can't, there is no other choice for me, but, but there is. We could keep going on in our disorder, um, but that's not what we're meant to do. I believe that I, that's not what God wanted for me. Um, my bottom may not have looked like other people's bottom, but it was my bottom because I was not at all being of maximum service to God, the people around me. Um, so I think if you're on the line and um, you're looking at that choice, really ask yourself, what, what do you want for your life? You only get one life. How do you want the rest of your life to be? Um, and, you know, just know that um, there's, um, there's a higher power that very much loves you and, uh, you know, wants, wants healing for you. Um, so, um, so with that, I pass. Um, thank you. Thank you, Rose M. And for those of you that may have just come on, we are on page 25. We are taking comments on the very last paragraph on that page if you are seriously alcoholic. And who else would like to share this morning? Lindsay B. Lindsay. Who else would like to share? Okay, go ahead, Lindsay. Uh, good morning, everybody. This is Lindsay B. from uh, New Hampshire, uh, uh, newly recovered and extremely grateful. Oh, gosh, this paragraph, yes. Um, I'm looking at the middle of the road solution, and I think of, of all the solutions. You know, I, I first came into the rooms in, in, in 1980, and for me, the the of course, it was about becoming thin and... Um, you know, I came from a family of, you know, it's all about looking looking good. And so coming into the rooms and finding out other people did the same things with food that I did was so enormously um, comforting. And I would go back um, just because I was so lonely and because there I got attention and love and all that, but I wasn't ready to really listen to the solution. In my head, um, it was still all about as long as I could look good. So it was dieting with group support, and I did that on and off. And each time I would go out again, I got brought to a, a lower bottom. But what I would do is my solution was to um, sometimes go to food if things got so bad and I knew that it would eventually lead to a, to a binge. And, um, but then um, if I started to lose weight, I, my solution was simply to you know, switch seats on the Titanic. And I did that for years. I mean, I, I didn't realize what I was doing because there are so many things I can turn to. But for me, as long as it didn't show on my body, I was okay. And I lived like that for a long time. And being in the world of performing and being an actor and you know, a lot of it being about image, I, you know, I would start to gain weight and then I'd go and turn to another addiction just so I could get thin enough to you know, get the next role, uh, the next, uh, and then, um, and so I did that for years and years. And, and each time um, I would come back, 
I began to get a taste of, of, of what it meant to have my life be unmanageable. And I started to look at that piece. You're not being able to manage finances, not being able to do this, not being able to... And, um, and so now, uh, uh, coming back after you know, years and years of relapse, because I kept trying to do it the same way. You know, if we keep doing the same thing the same way, of course, we're going to get the same results. And um, my new low was still being in a normal-sized body. Of My world became so small. I couldn't show up for anything. I couldn't show up for um, the smallest thing. And Ruth talks about this when she talks about, uh, you know, the, the addiction, that circle. You know, we do that circle, and, and all of a sudden the circle gets smaller and smaller and smaller from the point when we, you know, put down to we pick up again, and it becomes a little pinpoint. And my life was becoming this pinpoint of nothingness. And um, and it was so clear at that point that there were, t- there were two solutions, you know, go on to the bitter end, which for me was definitely suicide on the layaway plan. You know, maybe I would manage to get into a thin body. And then this last time, I mean, stay in a thin body. I actually, the weight was creeping up so rapidly. And, and, uh, and then it all became about not only is my life really small, but now the rest of the world is going to know about it too. Um, and it became isolation. And, um, and thank God that, you know, I don't know how many, five weeks ago, I came into came to another place of desperation and sought out Time. something else that I hadn't ever thought I would do before. And I became willing. And now I feel step one in my heart, every cell of my body. And I am so grateful. Thank you. Thank you, Lindsay B. And who else would like to share on this last paragraph on page 25? Elaine B. I heard Elaine B. I heard someone else, but I didn't catch your name. That was Sylvia. Okay. Sylvia. And I still... Terry. Terry H. Sherry H. Terry with a T. Oh, Terry. Thank you. Terry H. I think there was someone else. Was there someone else? Carol K. Yes, Carol K. Carol K. That's the voice I kept hearing. All right. Anybody else? Terry K. Okay. Say that again, please. Sherry KB. Sherry, okay. KB. All right. Do you have room for one more? I'm sure. (laughs) Carlisa C. Carlisa C. Okay, this is what I've got so far. If you have room for one more, oh. Yeah, go ahead. I'm taking names. (laughs) Kathy Joe. Kathy Joe. Kathy Joe. All right, this is what I got. And then we'll, we'll hopefully we'll have time for some more. Elaine B. Sylvia. Terry H, Carol K, Sherry K B, Carlisa C, Kathy Joe. So Elaine B, it's your turn. Thank you so much for your service. This is Elaine B recovered in Massachusetts and extraordinarily grateful for the difference between the power of this solution and the power of a middle of the road solution. Because, you know, I spent a lot of time in between. You know, in between uh going through to the bitter end, blotting out the consciousness of my intolerable situation as best as I could, feed up, TV on, um, surrounded by sweets and a cat on my lap, um, just trying to accept the fact that I was more than 100 pounds overweight for 20 years. I was getting older and older and older, and I was lonely. I wanted someone in my life. And Ben and Jerry never said no. They were always there. <laughs> um, I had a sister who was anorexic, another one who was... Um, 
bulimic and a mother whose nickname was Mother Hubbard. I didn't grow up with them uh, after after about 12 years old, but we all have the same disease. It just manifested in very different ways. And yet one day, um, you know, I became I became willing. I honestly wanted to, and I was willing to make the effort to try. And so I stepped into the rooms of OA, and that's where my sort of middle of the road solution began, working the steps, getting a food plan um, that was very, very limited and did eliminate all my alcoholic food. So I really had a level of physical recovery, which I'm so grateful for. I began to have life in between my meals. I began to um, practice tools and be part of a community that really understood my disease. But I always saw that the people who had worked the steps had something more had something more that I longed for. And so when God convinced me that um, the foods that I began to pick up uh, (laughs) showed me just exactly how powerful and intolerable my situation was and that I would truly uh, end up (laughs) with a bitter future and death, um, I came with the desperation of a dying man um, to my very first uh, vision meeting, um, which was called, they called it Plain Insanity, a special edition meeting in 2013 and grabbed hold of these steps with the desperation of a dying man. And you really have to honestly want to. You really have to be willing to make the effort because there is an effort required, not just to get to the steps for the first time, not just to get to the state, state to the point where we say we're recovered, but to continue living these principles every single day of our lives. There's a saying um, now, it's a spiritual solution. I, I was beyond human aid. But I needed a power that was greater than myself that could help me not just with my food but with all of my problems. And so I'm so grateful for these rooms because we have such a such a truth, such a such a way to get into this solution, to practice this solution, people we can learn from as we look at this solution. And um boy, it's a life second to none. I'm grateful with that I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Elaine B. And Sylvia, it's your turn and then it'll be Terry H. Good morning, Monica. Thank you for your service. And um, so nice to be on the line with all of you again this morning. So the middle of the road solution, I could just say ditto, of course, to everything, everything that's been said. But, you know, when I got in, the it didn't feel like a middle of the road solution. I got in and what I heard was, uh, take what you want and leave the rest. I thought, well, that works. I can do that. And so... Um, you know, I did the steps. I you know, I took a year to do step one and two, one, two, and three. I highly recommend against doing that because uh, I know I'm powerless, but I haven't figured out what the solution is, and I'm still living with the shame of the past. So that wasn't really my that wasn't really my best working idea. But I didn't know better, and I did um, I did get abstinent. I did lose a lot of weight, so therefore I thought I had it whatever it was, and what it was is for the first time I was in somewhat of a normal body size and I wasn't ashamed to have you see me. And so, but still I was broken. I was definitely a broken person. My thinking was broken. My relationships were pretty dysfunctional um, at work and in my family. And uh, everything was everyone else's fault. So then I went on and uh, did the fourth step fourth and fifth and could finally understand some of this character defect and where that shame was coming from. And as I carried on with it, I I learned what was making me feel the way I was feeling. And when I felt those feelings, 
the only thing I knew was to pick up food. Uh, that, that was just my go-to. I understand it. Um, but I didn't want that anymore. And so now, you know, I understand when they're talking about this middle-of-the-road solution, that middle-of-the-road solution will kill me. It just, just do it slower is all, and it won't give me, I won't be happy, joyous, and free. It will, so it's not, it's better than it was. It is not a solution. And so what I like is, you know, door number one, go to the bitter end and die, intolerable situation, or to accept spiritual help. And when I accept spiritual help, that does come in the form of my working the steps, my seeking out a spiritual uh, connection with my higher power, um, reaching out to the fellowship and telling them when I have a feeling, when I, you know, when I'm adrift or I'm in crisis and it can happen in a nanosecond and I also now can get out of it in minutes instead of having to go on a 24 to 48 hour binge and, and be on the phone telling everyone how someone else was wrong. That's how I lived. Ah, I don't, I'm so glad I'm not there. So no middle of the road solution uh, for me, and my time is up, uh, you know, rigorously working the steps, practicing these principles in all my affairs is so much better than anything I had before. I pass. Thank you, Sylvia. Terry H., you're up, and then it'll be Carol K. Thanks. My name is Terry H. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in North Carolina. Um, for me, after trying many middle-of-the-road solutions, I passed into the region of no return through human aid. Um, I was to the point in my life that I had two alternatives. Either I was going to die physically, emotionally, spiritually, or I needed to accept spiritual help. Um, That is where my disease took me. No frothy emotional appeal, no court order to eat, no name calling, no amount of therapy or money, not even meetings, OA meetings, or my sponsor was a solution for me. I was powerless and hopeless. You know, I, I was able to put down, but I wasn't helpless, and I was able to put down the food and get some abstinence and reach out and ask the recovered person to help to to work the steps with me. And um, I worked the steps, you know, like my whole body was on fire, not just my hair, but my whole body was on fire. I was um, desperate. You know, I, I was... In abstinence, I was definitely intolerable. Um, I had mental tantrums all the time. I was irritable, um, but I kept working. I I had the willingness, you know. Um, I kept surrendering. I kept working, and um, you know, as as a result of working through those steps, I had a spiritual experience. And you know, my higher power today is is so amazing, so big. Um, and, and wonderful in my life. I can't ever imagine, um, you know, life without my higher power and guidance and vision for me. Um, last night I heard again in a meeting, a face-to-face meeting, um, that I am to be of maximum service to others. And so for, for me today in my life, when I wake up in the mornings, I seek my higher power's vision for me. And how I can be of maximum service to others. No, I'm not perfect. I'm definitely not perfect, and I often stumble and trip and fall. However, I have, you know, the tools and the steps 
and my higher power to, you know, get me back on track and get me back to a place where I can be of maximum service and help to other people. And I am so grateful for this program and, and I'm so grateful for a vision for you um, because I've been in meetings, you know, and, and abstinence was the goal. And, you know, and, and emotional stability was the goal. But, you know, today for me, recovery is the goal for me. And abstinence is part of that. And seeking my higher power and um, every day helps me toward that goal each and every day. And I'm really grateful for that. So thanks for letting me share. And I pass. Thank you, Terry H. Carol K., you're up. And then it'll be Sherry K.B. Hi, thanks for your service. Good morning, everybody. This is Carol Kay from New Jersey, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. You know, this hits me hard. We had but two alternatives. One was to go on to the bitter end, blotting out the consciousness of our intolerable, intolerable situations, which, my God, it is intolerable, as best as we could. And the other was to accept spiritual help. Well, I lost four siblings, um, three to this disease and one to drugs. Um, my sister was 35, and they found her in a motel room overdose on heroin. And my other sister died of anorexia. She was uh, 42. And then my brother just recently died within the past year from this disease at 63. His daughter was taking care of him, but then he just got so big and he got so sick um, from, you know, all the foods and everything, all the compulsive overeating. And he was well over 400 pounds, 450 pounds that she had to put him in a nursing home. And he spent the last three to four years of his life in a nursing home, back and forth to the emergency rooms. Um, my niece didn't know any better, and he'd yell at her, bring me, uh, I want a, a strawberry shortcake. Bring it to me. And if she'd say no, he'd curse at her and call her every name in the book, refuse to see her. So she did it. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I know for myself, I used to get vicious like that, too, when I was in the food. I didn't care who I was going to step on or hurt. I wanted my fix, and that was the end of it. And then I had just recently, I lost my sister, too, in 2012. She lived with me through my whole marriage. We were food buddies. And this disease got her, and it got her good um, with all the medical problems. And I, 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 so, you know, I lived this. I saw it in my family. And I just want to say how grateful I am today that I, somebody handed me this book two and a half years ago, and she told me what website to go on, The Overeaters Anonymous. And um, listen, I hit bottom. I, I know what I saw, and I didn't want to suffer that way. I didn't know why I wasn't suffering yet, because I've been over three and 400 pounds for like 30 years. But I didn't want to suffer anymore. And, and my sister had the weight loss surgery. The other sister, she's still alive. And um, it didn't work. She gained the weight back. So I saw all this. So I came into this program and knew this was the last thing I had left. And you know what? I'm so grateful to the person who handed me this book. I'm grateful to all of you people on this line. And most of all, I'm grateful to God that he showed me and he shows me every single day. And he keeps me living and breathing in these 12 steps every single day of my life. And I know I'm not cured. And I remind myself every day by going to this meeting every morning. And by working with my sponsees every day, I guide people through this book and I reach out to people. I need to work this program and I need to work it hard because I know if I don't, I'm not cured. I can go right back down and I don't want to live that life anymore. This is the first time in my life at 55 years old that I am happy, joyous, and free. Is my life perfect? Heck no. No way. Far from it. 
And you know what? I'm grateful for that because you know what? It tells me I'm human and it shows me I'm not perfect because my whole entire life I thought I was the only perfect one that lived on this earth. And today I know I am an imperfect person. I am alive. Okay, I'm going to close up now. Um, I'm alive and today I feel all my feelings, whether they're positive or negative, I feel them and I love the fact that I'm feeling today. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Carol Kay. Sherry KB, it's you're up, and then it'll be Carlisa C. Good morning, Monica. Good morning, everybody. This is Sherry KB in Northern California, Grateful Recovered Compulsive Reader. Thank you for your service. Love to share is on the line. Um, first thing it says is if you are as serious compulsive reader as we were, we believe there is no middle-of-the-road solution. So I can't decide for you if you're a compulsive overeater like me, but I need to identify into this. Um, it's very important. And if if I am a compulsive overeater, as they're describing in this book, that there is no middle-of-the-road for me, um, no middle-of-the-road solution. I either have to be in this book, working the steps, uh, living in 10, 11, and 12, or I'm going to be face down in the food and death by a fork. Um, that's what I get for me. Um, when it says here that life had become impossible and we had to, we we had to pass into the region from which there is no return through human aid, um, what this reminds me of for me is that I was either restless, irritable, discontent, or I was in fear, doubt, and insecurity, and that's how I ran my life. And I used food to give me the courage to do that. And now I don't do that anymore. I use a higher power that is so far better and and amazing and the results that I get back from it because I lived in intolerable situations. I I lived in not only intolerable situations but even within myself because I was so full of anxiety and fear and doubt and um, or I was restless, irritable, and discontent, but I didn't know that. I didn't know that until I got into this work, until I started doing the steps, until I started asking for spiritual help. And, you know, I was in my face-to-face meeting last night, and we were talking about quicksand. And, you know, if you can, I'm a visualizer, so if you see somebody in quicksand, you know, I can't get out of quicksand by myself. I have to reach out and ask for help to pull myself out of quicksand. I can't do it by myself. And that's where my life was. It was in quicksand. And, you know, I, I am just so grateful Yesterday, I had, um, as soon as I got off the phone, I had uh, some really bad news. And, you know, what was interesting to me is the old Sherry would have gone right into the food. And instead, I asked God, what do you want me to do? And it was two choices, go meditate or go be useful. So I picked up the phone and called the newcomer and had an incredible conversation. And you know what? Uh, My serenity, the calamity that I had yesterday, my serenity matched it. And that's why I keep doing this work. And that's why... You know, I either have door number two or door number three. I don't, I mean, door number one or door number two. I don't have a door number three, and I don't know about you, but I am so grateful for this group. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Sherry KB. Carlisa C., you're up, and then it'll be Kathy Joe. Carlisa, we can't hear you. Would you star one to unmute, please? Oh, hi. Sorry. Carlisa C. in Washington, D.C. Can you hear me okay? Yes, we can. Okay, great. Thank you for your service. Um, I just want to uh, reiterate two points at the end of the paragraph. 
which um, I always get very interested when the word want, if we want to stop, and if uh, we are willing. So because um, as I said earlier today and as I think a lot about it, I did not come into the the rooms of recovery um, in any state beat down one, meaning that I had hit a very awful bottom, that I had dug myself to weighing well over 365 pounds and heart disease. And so when I came in, I came in um, after having asked the God of my my mother's understanding to help me. Not the one I had because my God was food. My solution was food. So the God of my foremothers is the one I went to. And in a miraculous way, I got sent to the rooms of recovery. And at the point of being entering the rooms, I was I knew I was in trouble. And I was willing to go to any length to start digging my way out of, of my trouble. Uh, what I've learned over the years in recovery, I just celebrated an uh, anniversary, and have had amazing, amazing, I never thought I would be near a normal body weight much. I never, I mean... For 30 years, I weighed well over 300 pounds, so I know those are there are those on the lines that know what I'm talking about. What I what I know for sure too is that I must, 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 on a daily basis sometimes concede to my innermost self that I will never be able to eat like a lady, and that the only thing that keeps me from weighing what I used to weigh and living the way I used to live is my daily reprieve based on spiritual maintenance of spiritual fitness. And that spiritual fitness comes for me through working the 12 steps. It's no other way. <laughs> There's no other way. I have a personal relationship with my creator now because of this book and those 12 steps. I find myself hanging out a lot sometimes between steps six and seven when a new character defect comes up or one comes raging back like defiance and rebellion and resistance, my old friend, procrastination, which is which disguises itself under defiance and rebellion or vice versa. And I find myself having, when a new old amends situation comes up, and I say to myself, oh, I thought I dealt with that. No, <laughs> so I get to use this stuff again. And and I know for sure that anybody listening, this stuff does work if we work it. It does It does if we walk it. So with that, I'll pass. Thanks again for your service. Thank you, Carlisa C. Kathy Joe, it's your turn. Hi, my name is Kathy Jo. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And I was seriously without option, and my life had become impossible. And even though I was five years no sugar when I came into Vision for You meeting, my life was impossible, and I was constantly in conflict with people, and I was um, restless, irritable, and discontent. And thank God, in my scurry, of getting help, I found a person in real life who was a vision for you person and she lived out of state and I reached out to her every couple months when I was very, very disturbed or um, with a conflict or bummed out at the scale. 
and she um, listened to me and helped me and most often pointed out things that I needed to change and things that um, were my own doings. And I would hang up and be upset with her and wonder why she couldn't coddle me or pet my head or whatever it is that I was looking for and being right. But one day I called her a year ago, April, and I said, you take people through the big book, don't you? And she said, yes. And I said, will you do that with me? And that day was a day where I was um, seriously without option and I was um, feeling at my bottom and I was ready for spiritual help. And she started to work with me. And my life was such a disaster at that time that I could not even be somewhere with someone at 4 p.m. if they asked that. And weirdly, I was able to every single day get on the phone with her at the time that she said and spend an hour with her reading the big book. And it blows me away that I was able to do that. And I really see that as a God thing. And I also see that as I was willing to accept spiritual help. And what I want to say about that right now is I still am willing to accept spiritual help. A couple of days ago, I was absolutely positive that my son was at fault and he had wronged me. And can you believe what he did to me? And by the time I got on the phone doing a 10 step with someone, it turned around and I saw my wrong. And his wrong no longer was an issue at all. It was, what did I do? What can I do to repair this? And how can I show up differently? And man, is that a free place to be. And I also want to say that um, for my work, I have done some amazing things in my job that blow me away, a part of the promises. And there is no way that I would have ever been able to do them a year ago because my brain is becoming cleared, not with the food, not with all the yuck and guck that I had in it. And I am, thank you, very grateful. Pass. Thank you, Kathy Jo. And this has been just perfect. We've come to the end of our time already. Goodness. Thank you to everyone who has shared. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And Lynn D., would you read for us, please, from A Vision for You, page 164? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Hi, I'm Lynn D., compulsive overeater. Um, our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answer will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. 
May God bless you and keep you until then.